Hi, this is Tom from The Happiness Quotient. Thank you for clicking on this episode. If you've chosen to listen to some of my first episodes, 60 or so, they were created before I changed the name to The Happiness Quotient. Don't be confused if you hear my voice welcoming you to Baker Street with Tom Pollard or if you hear me referencing my YouTube channel, Everest Mystery, you're still in the right place. Until I'm a big star and can hire an editor and producer to change every episode to reflect the platform, my gut tells me you'll be okay with hearing Baker Street or Everest Mystery when you click on an episode to The Happiness Quotient. It's all me. So let's just consider us one big happy family where we all learn together brought here by our common interests and our desire to create a better world one episode at a time. I love you. Thank you. Now to the episode. This is the Happiness Quotient. Today, we'll be talking about the limitless human potential born inside of you. What it's also about is the trials and tribulations that often are the stimuli that force us to acknowledge the truths within us. Today, our remarkable guest has gone from the top of his game to the agony of defeat and addiction, and in so doing, discovered his true calling. His name is David Vobora, a man picked last in the NFL draft of 2008, which earns the dubious moniker of Mr. Irrelevant, In a minute, we're going to talk to David Vobora. You'll see why this is anything but a football story and how wrong the Mr. Irrelevant tag was. For a person who's gone on to help countless broken veterans who've returned from war with one, two, three, even four less limbs. But as you'll see, David's why is closing the gap between who a person thinks they are and who they are called to be. And that takes place through hard work, challenge, and sweat at the Adaptive Training Foundation in Carrollton, Texas. All of my wisdom came from all the toughest days. I never learned a thing being happy. All of my suffering came, I didn't appreciate. I'm Tom Pollard. I first learned about today's guest on a story produced by the NFL Network. It's called NFL 360, and I found it on YouTube. The story was called David Vobora, Career-Ending Injury Shaped My Passion for Helping Others. The link is in the liner notes of this episode. I watched the episode probably 20, 25 times by now, and I've shared it with many of my friends. It truly moved me. David Vobora is a former NFL linebacker. He was drafted last by the St. Louis Rams, earning him the title Mr. Irrelevant. He did what very few Mr. Irrelevants have ever done, and that's earn a starting role in his rookie season. Several years into his successful career, he sustained a significant shoulder injury during a game, and the days ahead were overcome by darkness and a growing dependence on pain medication. In the story on NFL 360, David said that he was spending sometimes thousands of dollars a week on pain meds. Out of the darkness, with the tireless support of his wife Sarah, David conquered his addiction. He opened up a workout gym in Carrollton, Texas for high-performing athletes. His career was over, but his need to train and work with athletes had not subsided one iota. Here's where everything changed. In January 2014, David met U.S. Army Staff Sergeant Travis Mills, a quadruple amputee. David opened up his personal gym to Travis, offering his training expertise, and the pair started working out together, customizing and adapting to the unique challenges posed by Travis's injuries. Through working with Travis and engaging the veteran community, David developed a passion for helping those with life-altering injuries find life-fulfilling adaptive performance training. 
David realized that while there are many excellent rehab programs as well as adaptive Paralympic sports organizations, none existed to bridge the gap from basic functional rehab to adapted sport. Adaptive Training Foundation, the ATF, was conceived to fill this void. The Adaptive Training Foundation now has a 501c3 status to allow outside support for these ambitious athletes. And to this day, ATF keeps its services 100% free of charge to adaptive athletes. It relies on the generosity of individuals and organizations to not only restore broken lives, but empower growth through movement. David and his team at ATF help those returning from a different battlefield than the football gridiron, the battlefield of war, of metal, of explosives. His own personal experience of pain and suffering has now become a vehicle to transform the lives of those who've been physically and emotionally damaged by war. In this episode, you'll hear part of my interview with David Vobora. I'll be releasing the balance of it in my new podcast called Because It's There, premiering this month, May 2021. Stay tuned. Here's my April 26 conversation with David Vobora of Adaptive Training Foundation. One of my favorite things to, to kind of understand and I still think I'm try- I'm learning it is that like sometimes like really bad things have to happen in order for us to kind of discover something and it's like look at what you have look what you've done I'm not saying your life isn't going to be trouble free for the rest of your life but you built something out of blood and guts and struggle and and something beautiful came out you know and that's yeah. It's so interesting that you use the word bad because we all do this, right? It's this binary lens is good or bad, right or wrong, but it's just, and, you know, like as human, uh, as a human species, as human organisms, stimulus is what moves us, right? If we're honest, we're pretty lazy species innately, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So, so what is it then when pressure, um, resistance, I call it spiritual sandpaper, right? We ask for this, the newness, we want change. And yet when it comes we go into this fight, flight, or freeze. We, we lock up. We wonder if we have what it takes. But really, things fall apart to fall together to fall apart to fall together. So my story is no different than many of these athletes. Yeah, I'm not missing an arm or a leg, right? But life doesn't discriminate. You know, we started a new cohort here that runs our flagship nine-week training program for people with disabilities and trauma, all cost-free. And we take them on this journey, right? It, it, the physical seems like what we're about. That's just market entry, right? It's about what's between the ears. And the limitless human potential when you can change somebody, shift somebody, they change themselves from Mm -hmm. extrinsic value, worth, and motivation to intrinsic, right? Suddenly they like the person staring back at them in the mirror. That person becomes a force multiplier that then pays it forward with someone in in a synonymous experience. And if I'm honest, Tom, and you know this, the human human experience is laden with pain, right? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you have to suffer. Right. It's the narrative around the pain. It's just a sensation. But the narrative that you draw is what creates the suffering, the limiting factors, the right and left lateral limits to say, well, doctor diagnosed me as this. Right. Mm -hmm. You're not going to take this pain from me. Cool. You can have it. Right. I I don't want to. But do you want to? Are you sure that there's not something behind the reason behind the reason? And that's what we evoke in them. And through that. Right. And, you know, these workouts and these, you know, growth producing fear encounters they blossom into this whole new person that's kicking ass and going out there and helping other people like them. You've got these men and women coming into your gym who for all rights have every, just almost deserve somebody to go, oh my God, I feel so bad for you. And you get this guy, Travis Mills or anyone else, and you're trying to knock him over. And you're like, dude, I don't care if you have no arms and no legs. I don't want you falling over. And I, I, at least because this is it, it's, it's between the ears. It's like your, your handicaps are here, you know? Um, and that sounds like, so that's just to say the only disability is a bad mindset. There's a, there's a box on tape on the floor in our gym and it says sympathy box. It says your excuses, your excuses are invalid. Because if you want sympathy, go stand in the box. You're not going to get it anywhere. I don't care if you're Staff Sergeant Travis Mills, quadruple amputee, or Rex Burkhead, 
right? Patriots running back who works out here alongside these men and women. It, it's really about, look, compassion is everything, right? Yeah. Hey, come as you are, right? There's a belonging, but don't expect to stay that way, right? Yeah. Like we, we use that term tribe and it's gotten become kind of trendy, but I've been on teams. Team is a roster, right? It's an organizational chart, roles and responsibilities, positions, but that doesn't really talk about empowering people to show up for themselves inside of that larger why. A tribe to me makes the you know most you know, least experienced, most experienced, most impaired, you know, least qualified person, and they're they're an integral part to the sum of the whole tribe, right? Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden they're like, wow, man, my story matters, and that ability to tell your story is proof that you're going beyond it, right? Like. If, if you are so hung up on the fact that the doctor told you you would never blank, right, you're certainly not going to believe that it's even possible. And then you see somebody to your right and left in this gym doing it, right? And it blows your mind to go, wait a second, what if that person in a lab coat, although they did go to school, spent a lot of money for their schooling, they are not God, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just do the work and we'll see, see what happens. I, I don't know, right? We don't know until we throw the hat in the ring and give it a shot. Mm-hmm. The, the essence of of what I like to talk to people about, like the people I've usually become friends with and is when we can go off on this meandering path. And it's always about like what individuals are truly capable of when they put their mind to it is beyond belief, you know, um, and and we never know until we try to go there. And sometimes it starts in the pit of like the bottom of the well. Yeah, it usually does, man. That's why I'm a champion to the underdogs. That was my story, right? You said skinny pencil neck kid growing up in Eugene, Oregon. One D1 scholarship to Idaho. I took it because I wanted to play at the highest level. Pops was a D1 player in Oregon. Um, ended up, you know, being the last pick drafted in the NFL, right? It was always, hey, David's good, but is he good enough to take that next step? So I always had this chip on my shoulder, but it wasn't until I started meeting these athletes that they actually gave me permission to go into some of the dark places of my own psyche and my own soul to deal with some past traumas. Um, and again, when I say like inspiration washes off, you can watch an awesome YouTube video, but eventually you, you, it doesn't work the same way as the first time you watched it. So what do you do to aspire? How do you take what you observe in others and then say, man, like, I think there's something in me, right? What I seek is inside of me and where am I willing to go to grow it? And it it oftentimes is this paradoxical truth that it's not through force. It's not through, you know, power or strength. It's in that funny word, surrender, just (laughs) hate, right? That acceptance. And then the ability to transcend that through vulnerability, man. Like if courage is action in the face of fear, I want to surround myself by people acting in the face of danger or fear, because that flow, the present moment, which is all we really have, that is suddenly a way to relate to everything happening in front of you or around you, but you still have your breath, right? You can still ground yourself in that moment and say, wait a second, even though, you know, there's false evidence appearing real is triggering this, this very parasympathetic nervous state thing. If I just take one conscious breath, try to find the silence beneath it all. Wow. What remains? Right. And then if I can start from that point, right, it's, it's almost the genesis of where real life is. And if you can find that consistently, you can consciously respond rather than unconsciously react to all the stimuli in your life. We are stressed out all the time. I don't care if it's somebody cutting you off on the freeway or a freaking bear, you know, out on a trail, (laughs) Uh, both are going to simulate a reaction. We just want to be in control and the governor over that then we're you know, a better total human. And the people that we care about will feel the benefit of that. And when we pour into ourselves, the benefit is that is it's going to elevate all those around us. It's this dichotomy. I call it healthy selfish. There's this blending of, again, why do I put my mask on first on the airplane? You yeah. know, it's like, it doesn't make sense if there's a kid next to you, but you have to do that to have a chance to help anybody else. You, you, you had some, you know, there was some you're one of the guys who actually achieved your dreams young, you know, and this is what makes your story to me really interesting. It's like you grew up a kid, you wanted to be a professional football player and you nailed it. I mean, by the hair, your chinny, chin, chin, right? You, but you got in, man. And then you're starting and, 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 you know, and then it ended, you know, Hey man, you know, football careers, what is the average, a three year career? So you, you did it. So redefining your identity sounds like that's where we got into some, you know, it's like, 
how do you redefine your identity after that's all you put into your life? Well, I don't know. Explain that. Like, how do you come out of that? Yeah, you know, it was tunnel vision for success. You know, my one track mind of what I said yes or no to everything revolved around success in football. And, and again, being able to have a respectable NFL career, uh, especially as a last pick and kind of changing the statistics on Mr. Relevant. But to me, I did, I did more than some, but less than most is how I say it. And I, and I use that. I stole that from a Navy SEAL mentor of mine. And, and it's interesting to me as I think about my, my football career, because you know, it was largely the mask that I wore that I used to, um, to gain applause so that nobody asked me what the heck was really going on under the surface. Um, you know, I, I am bold and outspoken about being sexually abused as a young boy. It took me almost two decades to admit that that even occurred. I stuffed it so deep. And then in, 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 man, in, in acknowledging it, I was kind of like, okay, it's out. Good. I'm done with that. No, 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 no. Hold on. Right. That's where the real work began. And so over the past years, working with clinicians, working with therapists, working with coaches, developing a meditation practice, um, you know, putting my stuff out there where these, these athletes I served no longer put me on a pedestal, right? And they go, wow, okay, wait a second. It, it's, it's this idea of wading into the water with them, not standing at the shore and going, hey, I know what's better. Just go, go a little further, you know? Yeah. Like everything yeah. that I've created this gym was out, out of when I watched my parents do living in compassion in church and, and picking up homeless people and people with disabilities and bringing them to church football, that, that atmosphere, this camaraderie, the locker room, the brotherhood, all that. Um, and then kind of this redefinition from, again, you reach this pinnacle, you know, you're used to this structure that X and Y equals Z and running down the field on kickoff. You could never, ever replicate a feeling like that. I don't think maybe, maybe on the Hillary step or such. And yes. you probably <laughs> felt a little, little doses of it. Yeah. But all to say, it's like, you get to that place and, and then I have a gnarly shoulder injury and it was just easier than to ask the hard question. It was easier to just stuff my mouth full of pain medication and, and drugs to, to cope with the identity crisis. Right. And it's, that's not that, that, that un, just different, I guess, from what these, whether they're uh, warriors coming from giving orders, taking orders, being on the battlefield, and then suddenly being ripped from that quite literally limbs being blown off. And then suddenly being like, wait, who the, who the hell am I? Um, to, you know, car accidents, to, uh, you know, ALS diagnosis, stroke, you name it, you know, and that's where I think my opportunity to use my background in psychology, right? This is sweat psychology. We use weights and conditioning to learn about ourselves, right? You can use large mountains and altitude to learn about yourself. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to put yourself into an ecosystem to grow, but when you can do it with people that I think, um, you know, it's incredibly inclusive, different race, gender, sexual preference, age, veteran, civilian. It's this, this fusion. Like there's even my church and I love my church. There's, there's very few places that I feel like I walk into a place and I go, wow, there is a full spectrum here. And a yeah. bunch of people that are looking at each other as human beings trying to better themselves. That's the only part of access that matters. And I think that that's a model for, especially today's society where man, mm -hmm. we can learn so much through the lens of social injustice, through the lens of, you know, uh, pay equality through that. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I just feel that the gym, when you suffer a little bit together and sweat a little bit together, yeah. you, you like, I don't care what you're going to be purple polka dot. Like I'm going to give you a, a knuckles as we walk out of this thing. Cause together we just accomplished something. So yeah. I think that to me is where I've back to the redefinition. Um, I consider myself, uh, well, I th I'd say my why. My why is helping people close the gap between who they think they are and who they're called to be. And that to me is, is getting them to see themselves the way that we see them because they've, they've disidentified with whatever was or are struggling to. And the parts that they're resisting is where the real gift of their uniqueness is. Like today at orientation, a bunch of athletes, it's a little bad posture. They said, well, I just want to feel normal again. I want to get back to feeling like me. And I had to interrupt them like, hey, if I walked up to you, Tom, and I said, hey, you're really normal. You're just a normal guy. Normal guy. That's not a compliment. That's right. It's an insult, right? Yeah. That, that, that difference between normal and uncommon. Uncommon is what we're, I think, what we're searching for. Because even if I could regrow your legs, you're not coming back to here. I'm going to catapult you way over here to an abundance of new opportunity and experiences, which, follow me here, experiences change beliefs, which shift behaviors and change results. If you just try to shift a behavior and change the results, it's not going to stick. 
I don't mm. care if that's quitting smoking or quitting whatever. It's about the experience first that then changes that intrinsic belief that now the behaviors, it's like, why would I go back to that? No, that no longer serves me. So that's the magic. And I personally try to do it in my own life. If not, how the hell can I tell them to do it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so a veteran goes to the adaptive training foundation and and i know you have like these modules kind of right they might come in in a group and start like a do a nine week or a um you know at the not necessarily the average guy but like but what let's let's say one of the individuals who's really comes in down and out you can't go from zero to 60 on day one so kind of how does that happen yeah it's nuanced it's, it's fluid leadership, right? So you have to present uh, a stimulus, a stress or some exercise, right? And then you have to watch them both biomechanically and physically, but also seeing how they react when they're at that rep that seemingly is their threshold. And again, are they using anger to push through with a yell? That's okay, right? Are they, you see emotion on the surface, right? We've used visualization. I mean, I remember um, one of my uh, uh, law enforcement, FBI deputy director of homicide, amazing dude, fell through a roof on a homicide call, loses his above knee, his leg above knee. And when I got him in, a beautiful wife and family, and he was swinging the sledge, hitting this tire. And he did, he did the first set. And it, was, it was okay. And I walked over to him. And I just whispered in his ear. I said, hey, this next one, I want you to visualize every single time that you snapped on your kids since this happened. Go. He kind of looked at me, but okay. Right. Bang. Bang. Turn it up a little bit. And then I whispered in his ear on the next one. I said, hey, this time it's every time you snapped on your wife. And he got a little bit more and I could see that emotion. And the last time, and I didn't even know this, we hadn't talked about this. I said, this last time, I want you to do this set for those times when you took as much sleeping meds and as much pain pills, hoping you didn't wake up. And dude, the floodgates open, tears streaming down his face. And he had a fury, right? That he was releasing those things. So how do we connect mind body, right? The body keeps the score. And when that emotional stickiness gets stuck because we're holding on to different versions of ourselves, we are speaking a language that they don't speak. So the translation is how they feel it in their physical body, right? And then giving them cues to discover an awareness, a level of consciousness, that then they see what was formerly unconscious, right? And then now they can make a competent choice to decide. Because here's the problem. People think that our emotions or feelings are, are not up to us. No, where we put our attention, where we put our focus derives our emotions and feelings. And if we can start to become the watcher of our own thoughts, that little voice in our head that's not paying rent, the, the, the slave driver, the one that says, you'll never, you can't, they don't love you, you won't, right? We start to use affirming language to replace that. It's really this like, it takes what it takes in nine weeks. Sometimes by week two, boom, it clicks for somebody and, and you see now, okay, now they're not just at the stream, now they're drinking it. Now we can take them a little deeper. Yeah. So it's this, it's this fluid, poetic art of being a human being and relating to them and pushing them right to that brink, but then also making sure that you earn their trust so that they're willing to tell you about what's between those ears. Um, and it's, it's, it's the most fun thing that I get to do is witness people as they break through. Um, I, we can't, it, to me, it just seems like I have to ask you a little bit about Travis Mills because um, he he just appeared at the right time. You guys crossed. I mean, I mean, you might've seen him a week before or a month later and it, this story might not have happened. So, so when, when you saw him, were you still using, you know, painkillers or were you kind of cleaned out just? Like, no, I was totally clean. Yeah. So I, I quick timeline, linear timeline here, 2012, uh, was my year away from football and uh, got cleaned up, uh, got off all the pills, had to have a couple of surgeries and get the body fixed a little bit. And I was training to come back. And actually, when I got the call to return, I, 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 for the first time, I didn't just think here, it was gut. And I said, man, it's time for me to step away from the game. Made that decision, decided to move from Orange County down here to Texas to start the gym. And I'd been doing the gym in 2013, but not adaptive athletes. It was just performance athletes, Olympians and college yeah. athletes and such. Yeah. And then again, I, the, 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 the connect the dots here, the God winks along the way are crazy. And I, that's what I tell people. Like you could have the perfect formula or plan, but it's about being head up, eyes open, hands open. Cause you got to see, be able to catch the miracle right in front of you. And in this case, 
this Navy SEAL allowed me space in his back warehouse and in, to start training athletes. And then I, I went to a surprise birthday party for him and Travis shows up. I didn't know who Travis Mills was. I, didn't, I don't think I even knew an amputee at the time. I never met one. And, and then as the story goes, he w- strolls in on his prosthetics and I rudely broke away from whoever I was talking to. <laughs> and I beeline for him like hot chick in the bar, as I say, and asked him that question, you know, when was the last time he worked out? And he asked if I had experience. I told him no. And I just owned it. I think so often we skirt around what we actually want by saying things that are supposed to like assume that the person knows yeah. be direct you know, take a chance on yourself and others by just going like, I feel this gut pull and mm. I'm going to honor that by action. Um, and that's what I did. And it, again, it was like Travis working out in the discovery of how he could move his body and we could program workouts for him. I just watched everybody lose their excuse in the gym. Everyone elevated their own potential. And I said, man, what if we could do this on a larger scale and this inclusive, at, inclusive atmosphere that could breed so much growth in so many people because our, our ATF athletes are soul mirrors. You know, you can't walk out of the gym and, and not have to look at yourself in the mirror differently. And that's the, I think the benefit of weaving people from such crazy. I mean, one of the athletes in this current class, you wouldn't believe this spinal cord injury in 2016, because her husband, ex husband tried to shoot her, did shoot her. Okay, spinal cord injury, paralyzed from the waist down. Now, hold on. Fast forward three years. This is literally 2019. And she's getting married to her second husband. Well, wedding night, exhausted, you know, had been partying, drugs and alcohol involved. She literally, her Rottweiler, and I kid you not, chewed her foot off. Chewed her foot off, dude, on her wedding night. This girl's in in our current class. Now we do have her doing some things. We actually got her in a little bit before doing some things privately and she's already making incredible strides, but you can't make this stuff up, right? Like it's jaw dropping stuff that you're just like, man, I I don't know why this stuff occurs, but this is why this thing was created. Point being that chance intersection with Travis Mills that has now created a whole movement. There's all kinds of gyms now, including adaptive athletes. And that makes me so freaking happy. Um, Yeah. Wow. That, I mean, you know, it we, people just want to be freaking loved for who they are with all their faults. And I think, you know, what happens is, and it's okay, but people grow up and they become adults and they didn't have a chance to work their crap out and they just take it out on other people. And so there's this kind of this vicious cycle. And then occasionally, you know, not occasionally, but, but you don't, maybe not enough people can see through that. They see through the pain, their own physical limitations and mental limitations and say like, no, I, I, can, I can be like an agent of change on one individual's life. Maybe it's just mine. But if I, but, and, and, and dude, and Travis Mills was, was about you more than it was about him. I mean, you were just insanely curious. It was like, I, I can't get away from you. Let's just try this. And all of a sudden you both just went, and that's, that's beautiful. It's because you were willing to be weak or willing to be vulnerable or something. That's a big step, man. That's a big step. It's easier to drink a beer or to shoot something into your veins. It, it, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not really, but, but let's just kill the pain instead of me being vulnerable, because if I'm vulnerable, then people know the truth about me. Well, what's, what truth? What, what, what the heck, what, what truth are you talking about? There is not a human being on this planet who isn't, you know, capable of malevolence or evil or, or unkind actions. Me, you, but it's like, can yeah. we get above the base and us and at least die a little bit better, more evolved than when we were born? That's all I ask. Yeah, this man, much. Yeah. Preach, and dude. Preach, you're brother. Doing I'm, I'm with yeah. you. You give me goosebumps over here. <laughs> I, I love that quote. The uh, all the devils, all the angels, all the heavens, all the hells are within us. You know, Jordan Peterson talks a lot about that dichotomy of yeah. you know as much Jesus as much Hitler, right? It's all yeah, it's yeah. all within, and so I think. It, the word that comes up to me is permission, permission to be where you are right here, right now. Right. And I think about what the, the image in my head is, is Robin Williams and Matt Damon in Goodwill hunting. Right. 
mm. when, when he hugs him and, and Will's trying to push back and he's like, it's not your fault. And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay. No, 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 it's, it's not, it's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. Right. And then he, and, and as Matt comes apart, right. Like that is what we do. It's just done and orchestrated in a vastly different way. Um, but it's the same crux, which is love, man. And it's love because it will, it is that, it is the energy state and the state of receivership where if you can get somebody into that register, um, man, their pain threshold changes. The ability to see, they can drive past the same thing every day and see something for the first time, right? It's this disruption in the typical this is how I it was supposed to operate because somebody told me that it's this, it's this new agreement with themselves that, Hey, look, even if it's that I have kids and I want to be better for them. That's a reason, but that's not the root. Like we have these meetings twice during this nine week course that we call root meetings and, and we lock in, it's just the athlete and the staff. And we talk about, you know, guys reaching every night for the bourbon, you know, the bourbon's a problem, but there's a reason behind the reason for the reach. And how do we unveil those things? How do we uproot those things? And then once we do, it's crazy because guys, I mean, we had a, a, a Navy vet who shared about his own sexual traumas as a kid. And he'd been married 31 years, never even told his wife any of it occurred, right? But felt good enough in the circle. And then at the end, everybody writes down the thing that we're going to go out back and we burn in this trash can. But before they uh, burn it, they have to write it down and they have to show somebody next to them. And they say, hey, if, I, if you see me pick this up, call me out because I'm no longer picking this up. I'm burning the ships, right? And maybe that's the shame or guilt associated with blank, with their accident, their injury, something that, you know, survivor's guilt where the people next to them didn't come home. Um, and that's, I think, again, like you can go and exercise and that's, that's great. That's market entry, but it's really um, getting back to that root of vulnerability. How, how are you willing to kind of annihilate your ego through practice vulnerability that is authentic? Not convenient where, oh, I'm telling my story, like, look at me, look at me. It's yeah, literally being like, yo, my mess is your mess. Your mess is my mess here. And like that posture is huge. It, 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 it is for mm -hmm. me, the quickest way that I see my perspective shift. And, um, you know, there's tons of self-development books and there's tons of podcasts and other things. But if you can't stop and look at yourself in the mirror without breaking eye contact for two, three, four minutes, Mm. ask yourself why hmm. and be okay with whatever comes up. That is a task and a tool that is a challenge to anyone listening. Okay. And you might be surprised what comes up. You might get really emotional. You might get really angry. You might not be able to maintain to eye contact. Don't judge yourself for whatever comes up, but ask yourself, well, what's behind that? You know, the reason behind the reason for these things is where we find our superpowers. And that's what's led me on this, this path that I could have never, ever expected. And I'm, I'm certainly grateful to be on it. Incredible. Well, that's, that's a amazing. And, and actually, I love that. So I'm, that's the challenge for our listeners, the, the three to four minutes, go and look in the mirror. I, I usually, I typically don't do that. I go out and my, like, you know, your flies unzip. Oh, damn it again. You know, like I just, <laughs> I should look in the mirror more often. Right. But, but uh, yeah. you know, so a lot of people are out there and listening, and I hope as many people as possible can hear this. Um, the challenge just to, to be more exceptional, um, you know, where somebody isn't a, a, a Marine vet or someone isn't, you know, an amputee. They're, you know, in Vermont or in, you know, Oregon in some place of their own kind of slight suffering. What what did what do they do? Do you reach out to another individual? What, what's, what's salvation for an individual who's feeling alone? You know, mm, the first step is not making salvation a thing that's out in front because it's right here, right now, Yeah, right here, right now. The grace is sufficient. You just have to give yourself permission. I say this often, the prison door has been unlocked the whole time. You just didn't want to push on it. You were the one, right. <laughs> who locked yourself in there and it wasn't even ever locked. So encouragement to reach out to somebody that's trusted. Of course, I think that when you get these things out that fester, you know, there's still a small voice at 2am that weighs on you. If you can start by sharing it with a trusted individual, it lessens its power over you or its grip. 
Um, you know, I use little tools. Here's a practical, pragmatic one I speak about often. When I feel spun out, uh, maybe it's because of something occurring or I'm a little nervous. Maybe I'm about to get on stage for a big presentation or something. I, I use this tool. It's called 54321. Immediately, when you feel that you're disconnected from the present moment, often there's a signal in the body, right? Sweaty palms, lump in your throat, racing heart, pit in your stomach, whatever that thing is. Find five things that you can see right around you. Say them out loud if you have to. Chair, computer, planner, whatever that thing is. Five things you can see. Four things you can feel. Maybe it's your toes inside of your shoes or hair on the back of your neck or your shirt on your skin, the air on your skin. Four things you can feel. Three things that you can smell. Hopefully they smell okay. <laughs> Check yourself out, right? <laughs> Two things that you can hear. Just get real still, real quiet. Yeah. And one, what's the inside of your mouth taste like? Deep breath. Welcome back. Because the amount of time that it took you to go five, four, three, two, one, you weren't able to concentrate on whatever that thing was that you were hung up on, the obsessive thought. So again, the, that, that, that is a practical tool that when you do feel spun out and you feel like that thing is just luring or you know, guiding you into this cave, you can be like, no, here's a, here's a way for me to stop and then decide to put my attention on something else. And the last thing that I'll say is this, um, you know, if you ever feel helpless and hopeless and, and you're, you're not capable of kind of firing or rewiring your thoughts to decide how you got there, right? You're just so lost in it grounding yourself in nature is everything. I mean, it is the greatest equalizer and the simplest. And maybe you do all three of those things. Maybe you do the five, four, three, two, one, go out in nature, right? And then you call somebody to talk about what the heck is going on. Those are really three pragmatic steps that I think you can take that'll evoke a shift in you. You know, when you're depressed, you, you know, you certainly don't want to get out of bed. Um, but sometimes just getting in the car and going on your own little mini road trip around the town can help change your state. Um, you know, when you're, when you're anxious, I think it's oftentimes that you're tripping on whatever could, would, or should happen in the future. And so getting yourself back to the present moment, realizing that, um, you can breathe is the main piece of then calming you down and getting you back to a state where you can change, hopefully that, that, that head trash, but it, it, it takes what it takes. Sometimes it's sticking your head between your knees and having a panic attack. I I've been there right? I've been there. So whoever is listening, don't think that I'm over here preaching on things that I haven't experienced because I've been that guy. Um, and too often I, I forget that I can be that guy again. I have to be consistent with my practice. Right on. David, so with uh, the Adaptive Training Foundation, is there, are you just like, let's just do this for a while and and, and in five years we'll you know, see, is there any like kind of different goals you got? Or are you just like, let's just do this for a while and we'll figure it out. It's going to appear. Yeah. So I definitely have a plan personally, as well as organizationally. I mean, the great thing is I, I'm not paid. I'm not, I don't need to be paid by the foundation. So it's a very, it's, it's the most honorable possible volunteer CEO position. And for wow. me, it's really culture leadership. So I have a small team here during and throughout COVID. We've had to pivot in a number of ways been really proud of my crew. Um, you know, what we do in-house programs is really to find those certain people that are force multipliers um, and then work as a laboratory to then create the outcomes that we're going to deploy uh, and replicate in different places geographically and most specifically on a digital infrastructure. So we are currently building out the Adaptive Training Foundation's masterclass but it's not just a passive masterclass of 54 self-directed videos, 27 of which are workouts, 27 of which are mindset, mindfulness, meditation, nutrition, diet, uh, supplementation, how to keep progressing your goals, a whole host of different things. But what that, those, that nine-week progression is going to mirror what we do here, but digital. But once a week, there'll be a live interface with one of our graduates from our program that are taking a, a cohort of 30-plus in like pathology. So example, Marine, who's an above knee amputee, is now taking those guys through this same cohort for things like root meetings. They're just done on Zoom now, right? Like we've done in the past. Um, and with that, we're using the resources gifted to sponsor not just that digital program and building it out, but also being able to pay our athletes that have graduated this program so they can provision for themselves and their families in a wellness type of lifestyle, benefiting and paying it forward to new athletes. So, that right there is going to be the model that we're going to scale and grow, you know, nationally and internationally. Uh, really excited about that. 
Then we also just shot a, a, a featured length documentary that we're going to be entering into Sundance and a number of other film festivals in August, featuring an all veteran cohort that we had this uh, past January through March. So that, you know, to me, I, I'm a storyteller at heart. Um, yeah. You know, being that you have these nine week rolling classes where those that go in it now come back to train the next, it's like the best character development you could ever ask for. Yeah. So a, a future docu-series is, is we're going to shop this documentary and I'm guessing we're going to end up with a docu-series in the future. So my piece would be, hey, I want to be influential to, you know, produce the best storytelling at the greatest possible reach while also having a, a, a product that can be scaled as a hybrid between digital infrastructure and personal interface that now suddenly we can replicate, sponsor, and, and make sure it's still cost-free for all the participants. David and I went off on a tangent talking about Mount Everest, of all things. Go figure. And climbing. And I learned that he has some dreams that may or may not include Everest in his future. We talked at length about it. And I'm going to share this and that part of our conversation in another segment here and on Because It's There. But as we winded down out of the mountain climbing part of our conversation... David shared with me a remarkable story about an altitude-related event that happened on a trip he took with friends to Snowmass, a mountain that rises to over 12,000 feet. Yeah, I think there's something really powerful about um, that rare air, you know, and, and it's not for me, you know, last year I was on the west face of Snowmass uh, in Colorado mm. when with a buddy who was climbing his 48 of the 48 14ers wow. in Colorado. He's actually getting his 72nd of the intercontinental U.S. Um, this summer in July. He, he won in California. And it's, a, it's a walk up essentially, but it's a party with everybody. Anyway, we, we're up at 10.5 or so to camp and we set up camp and whatever. And, you know, I've been on a few of these, not super technical ones, but he suddenly just takes a dive and he's, I thought he had a stroke or some edema or whatever, like just slurring and shaking and he was burning up, but he was freezing, you know, and wow. we were with four guys. They didn't have very much climbing experience. He's our most experienced guy with no guide with us. And it was just clear, like, give me the beacon. I'm going to take him down. Right. I'm taking him down the mountain as fast as I can. And he couldn't move or walk. So I just put him on my back. And the whole time he's, he's barely stuttering and saying, I'm sorry. And, and thank you. Right. And he's crying. I can hear him crying. And at this point, like for me to tap into that, like I wasn't even talking to him. I, all I cared about was running down this mountain. Wow. And there's a couple of places, if you know Snowmass, that are like rocky, yeah. rocky, like to the point that I was nervous flying down as fast as I was being irresponsible for people below that type of feeling, you know, because there's that balance of like my friends dying on my back and there's could be people that these boulders could come down. Anyway, I just had to look at them and said, brother, if we start to fall, I'm going to tackle you into the mountain and like, I'm sorry ahead of time for <laughs> tackling you into the mountain because it's going to hurt, but right. we're going to get you down. And, and we did, and we were able to get him down and, and get him to an ER and get fluids. And it, it was a balance. He didn't have enough electrolytes yeah. plus altitude plus some other things, but all, all in all, like, you know, it doesn't have to be 25,000 feet nope. for something really terrible to happen, you know? That's and that was sure. a very like, Whoa <laughs> moment for me where I'm like, and not in a fear-based way, but just in this like heightened sense of the stakes that were at hand, you know? The gut thing, going with your gut, that's it. That's really the answer to how, how did that evolve? That I, like where, where does risk, you know, where is it? And, and earlier in life, I was always like a gut guy, but earlier in life, I would push through. I'd go, ah, screw the gut. You know, I'm just going to push it through because I'm, I'm like young and tough and, and nothing's going to kill me. And now, hell man, I'm, I'm just like every day. I'm like, yeah, baby, I made it another day. And, um, but now I, I am a, I truly believe that if everybody really listened to their, their, their inner workings and, and made their decisions based on that and were able to clear out the clutter of maybe a friend who's a so-called friend or, or an influence or somebody in their sphere who doesn't really want the best for you. That's I it. would even say family. Family is the quickest to keep you in the identity that best serves the role that you fulfill today, right? Yeah. Like if, you know, again, I, my wife knows who she married. So if I came home and told her I was going to do Everest, 
we'd have a talk, right? She wouldn't <laughs> just go, no, hell no, that's not happening. Um, you know, she let me do a six days in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle without food and water on a four by four foot life raft for a Nat Geo show when she was pregnant with our second. So she certainly knows who she married. Okay. Um, but all to say that like to the gut piece that you just teed up, you know, I did a Ted talk on this. That was interesting. Cause I used science based around the, the brain gut access. Right. And when I say that I'm pointing at my, both my head brain and the gut brain. And we realized that the central nervous system, the, the line connected to the ENS, the enteric nervous system could be severed and the enteric nervous center, which operates the gut that can continue to function. That is where 90% of our serotonin and dopamine are created. Mm. So if you think on that, you can have the operating system of your human brain, right? No, not communicating to the gut and the, and the body will continue to produce these things. Um, and in doing that, I'd say this, it's about harmony between the two. If you're so gut only, I would say it's gut first, then head return to the gut, not yeah. head, gut, head. Cause the head, you get the head two thirds, it's going to do its thing. I heard the, I did a silent meditation retreat and uh, it was brilliant. It was super hard. I love the talk. Um, and the, the, the spiritual <laughs> teacher was like, your brain is like a monkey um, wielding a knife, drunk on tequila that just got stung by a scorpion. <laughs> and we're all like mind blown and nobody can say anything. Right. Like that's, I'm trying not to laugh. And um, then he, he basically said, what you do with the mind is you don't try to stop it. You're not that powerful. That monkey, you can't stop it. You give it a mirror and suddenly it gets curious, distracted. And oh. so what's the mirror for you, right? Where can you place this on the shelf, your brain in your head to use that intuitive gut in harmony with where you are and the emotional state that you're in to co-create with what is and in a state that, and this sounds hippy dippy, but in a state that is your higher self. So like, I, I, it's almost like I, I use my hands here as I'm like building Legos. I don't have the map, but it's like, I put out my hand and a Lego hits it and I just intuitively know where to put it. Mm. That's like building in a way that feels right. Cause you know, this brain in our head, it seeks for safety and survival. It scans every four seconds, sometimes more. And if that's the case, then it's looking to preserve your life, right? Protect. It's looking for the thing that's going to tell you not to act upon your gut. But if that gut harmony is the thing that allows to guide you um, in a way that is, it is largely driven on right brain emotion, that can be really beneficial when we over logic and pro and con ourselves all the time. And if you get good at the dance between the two, then you're going to be living in between them, which is the heart. Don't forget that. The, the thing in between is the heart. And if you live from that place, woo! The Adaptive Training Foundation in Carrollton, Texas, relies on the generosity of individuals and organizations and is committed to keeping its services to adaptive athletes 100% free of charge and relies on the generosity of people to not only restore lives but empower people through movement. Anyone listening that if they or someone they know might benefit from a program at the ATF, visit their website at adaptivetrainingfoundation.org. Oh, David Vobora, Mr. Relevant, changing lives, making a difference. Man's got some soul and an understanding of how to help people enact changes for the better in their own lives. David, thank you. Stay tuned for more from our conversation here and on my new podcast, Because It's There, soon to premiere. Thank you to the Wood Brothers and their management for the use of their song, Happiness Jones, for our theme song here on the HQ, and to their publicist, Kevin Calabro, for helping make it all happen. If you'd like a free, downloadable PDF of the Happiness Quotients, A Course in Happiness, visit me at patreon.com slash thehappinessquotient. And if you find me on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe. Give me five stars if you think it's worth it and leave a review. It really helps. 
For more information about me, to inquire about personal coaching or public speaking in person or virtually, please visit me at eyesopenproductions.com. And of course, you can write me anytime at tom.dharma.pollard at gmail.com. Remember, that which we most want to find can be discovered in the place where we least want to look. And the deeper and darker the well, the brighter the light we will discover. Don't curse the dark cloud. The rain inside may very well turn your garden green. Thank you for visiting the Happiness Quotient. I will see you all real soon. All of those words I wrote in the storm to rock my boat. Oh, that was stuck in my throat when I was happy. And all of those songs I was singing, hey, why my boat was sinking. And next thing I'm thinking, I'm happy. I might as well change my name to Happiness Jones, my friend. Happiness Jones. If you're still here, please, I would love it if you checked out my Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash Everest Mystery and my YouTube channel, Everest Mystery. Check me out. And as always, leave comments and share your thoughts whenever you can and share it with friends who might be interested in hearing or listening or watching. Thanks so much.